Is this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! Hey everybody, welcome to The Outsiders, powered by the McIntosh Group at Remax River City. I'm Bryn Griffiths, he's Robin Brownlee, and look who's joining us. A guy who allegedly is retiring, I'm not going to fully believe that, but he has stepped away from being the voice, the play-by-play voice of the Winnipeg Jets on TSN, Dennis Bayak. Dennis, how are you? Bryn, Robin, I am very well. Good to see you guys, and good to be with you. Okay, so let's get right to this retirement thing. Is I know that you're kind of doing other things. How is this going to shake down for you? Well, there's no Tom Brady here. Uh, I'm not going to wait two weeks and uh, and say, nah, just kidding about all that. I'm actually going to come back for another year. But uh, it was time. You know what? I've had such a great run, met so many good people, done so many good things. And, uh, you know, I turned 70 in November. And, uh, you know, you start thinking about it then. And uh, COVID certainly hasn't helped. Uh, the winter we had here in Winnipeg didn't help. But all those little things were just part of it. Uh, the main decision was I just I've always told myself that don't overstay your welcome and you never want to get to a point where you say I should have done this a year ago. And uh, I just kind of felt the timing was good. And it was I'll still keep my hand in some international hockey. But uh, uh, I had a, it was a great, you know, all the way back to the Edmonton days and then to Toronto and then to Winnipeg here. Uh, the NHL part of my career was absolutely terrific. Now, Dennis, what you just said rings some bells with me and now makes a lot of things make sense. 70, you are the youngest looking 70 I've seen in some time. And that, because Brent and I were trying, I mean, we're in our early 60s and I'm trying to think, okay, Dennis has been around a long time. What I find amusing is you don't want to overstay your welcome. Um, 70 is not 45. And I remember Rod Phillips saying the same thing and he did it till he was 67. I mean, if you love what you're doing, uh, which you guys clearly do, I guess time can go by pretty quickly. Can it? Well, you know what, Robin and, and, uh, Rod was right. I mean, it's, you do have fun doing what you're doing and you don't want to overstay your welcome, but, uh, from when I get into the booth, and I, I'm one of those guys that likes to get there early. Like if it's a seven o'clock game, I'm back at the rink by four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, grab a quick bite, uh, chit chat with some of the other people around there. And then usually by 4.45, I want to be in the booth. And that's where I'm most comfortable. So from that point to the end of the game, I love it. It's everything around it now. The travel isn't as easy as it used to be. As you get older, you don't sleep on the road as well as you used to anymore. And, and little things start to bother you a little bit more than they used to. And that's where the COVID kind of came in. So all that put together, uh, I mean, I still enjoy what I'm doing and, uh, you know, and, and we'll miss that part of it. Uh, but I'm also one of those people that doesn't look back when I make a decision, you know, and I've made lots of them. If you look at my, where I've been over the years, there's been lots of movement. 
And uh, but once you make that decision, you kind of move forward and, and you kind of go from there. Before we get to your career, you can't do this without a great teammate on the home front. And you've had a great teammate on the home front. Well, I really have. And I'm glad that Bev was at the game uh, on Sunday. She doesn't come to a whole lot of games. I'm really glad she was there. Uh, my niece, Shauna, uh, was there as well. She was the one who had the waterworks going uh, absolutely throughout the game uh, and that. But uh, you know what? Bev and I have been together for over 43 years. And uh, I've moved her around from uh, Saskatoon to Seattle to Tor Edmonton to Toronto, uh, back to Winnipeg here. And uh, I mean, I just go off and do what I need to do. And she's the one that stays behind and, and does all the other stuff. So I'm really uh, glad that she was there on Sunday to be part of it. And I'm really glad what TSN did. They made her part of the telecast, as did the Winnipeg Jets in-house. Uh, I said this the other day, and I'll say it again. I don't know if you had one of the best script writers in Hollywood. Uh, I don't know if you could have written a better script than what went down on Sunday. Going all the way back to, I spent four years in Seattle, uh, the Seattle Kraken game got uh, postponed because of snow. So all of a sudden that became the last NHL game that I was going to do. So that was part of it to uh, the Jets having me read the starting lineup in the dressing room to the acknowledgement in the building. You never really know what you're going to expect uh, to the comeback win, uh, everything to allowing me to, uh, to give my final message. I didn't know it was going to go in house. It did. Uh, and, and that, so, uh, the day was absolutely perfect. I was kind you of know, fascinated by the fact that, uh, you've got a chance to go back in and do a game out of Seattle in a, in a barn that you're quite familiar with. It was kind of fun to watch that broadcast for you. You seem to be pretty charged up about it, but did they catch you a little bit off guard with that one? They did. I mean, I, you know what, right when Seattle came in, uh, and I don't know how serious I was about calling it at the end of last year. A career because of the fact we didn't travel last year. I didn't want to make a decision based on that because it was not a fun year last year doing games off monitor. That's not what we sign up for. Yeah. And so when Seattle came in, that was part of it. I said, Hey, I want to, you know, get a game in Seattle. And, and, and unfortunately it was a back to back. So we really didn't have a whole lot of time uh, in Seattle, but uh, the part that, that our producer, Kevin Pratt and Kevin Sawyer, uh, along, I find out later with my wife, Bev, who provided them with some photos and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I did not know that that little tribute to me uh, in my Seattle days was coming. So, um, you know, I'm not big on surprises. And uh, all I kept hearing in Sunday's broadcast from the producer was, okay, coming at a break, we got a surprise. Coming at a break, we got a surprise. So I didn't right. know what we were doing, but I had, my, I had enough trust in him that I knew it was going to be okay. Dennis, Bryn touched on it, and, and uh, what we want to know, and I think what a lot of people want to know, is just walk us through at least briefly um, the career in terms of your stops. You said you made a lot of stops, and I was looking up, and I saw Flynn Flon, and I'm thinking, what the heck, and when when was that? that and was it really... Uh, like 1970 or when did you get the, when did you start that gig? Yeah, it was until I told you I was 70, I could have told you that I was 12 when I started at CFAR, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> uh, Bobby Clark and Reggie Leach had just left. And that was my first job in radio. My goodness. And, uh, when I got there, and, you know, you guys know small town radio and, and you do everything. I mean, Bryn, you did it in Moose Jaw and other places. You, you do whatever is necessary to, to get your foot in the door and, 
and get this career started. So uh, when I actually got to Flin Flon, the newspaper guy was doing the play-by-play. Uh, and then uh, he fell ill one day and I got the opportunity and that opened the door for me. And that's something that I always wanted to do. Uh, you did it as a kid playing ball hockey. And, uh, you know, so that kind of got Flin Flon started. Patty Gunnell was in Flin Flon at the time. Uh, I left after two years there, got an opportunity to go to Saskatoon to CFQC radio and television. In the meantime, Patty Gunnell bought the Victoria Cougars. So after a couple of years in Saskatoon, uh, he said, would you come to Victoria? I went to Victoria for a couple of years. Patty was then selling the team. Uh, I was back in Saskatoon. I'm away back to Manitoba to my brother's wedding. The day an opening came up at CFQC to be the sports editor or sports director. I took that opportunity. And then there was a change in Saskatoon. Daryl Lubinicki came in and took over uh, with the Blades uh, from Jackie McLeod. And Daryl Lubinicki on a road trip, uh, we were walking on the West Coast. It was a rainy day, an off day. He said, would you come work for me? And he said, this is too much for me to do by myself. So that's when I left uh, broadcasting with CFQC. I went to work for the Saskatoon Blades. I stayed out of broadcasting until 1988 when they were opening up Sask Place. And Uh people in Saskatoon wanted to do the game. And our people, Daryl Lubinicki, said, you can do the game, but Dennis Bayak has to call the game, and you're going to pay him $500. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good money. And so that was the start of getting back into broadcasting. So I worked for the team, but I did the play-by-play on radio. And then uh, the Memorial Cup rolled along, and that is the one event that was a springboard for my career. It was the 89 Memorial Cup in Saskatoon. I, chaired, I was chairman of the event. I emceed the banquet. I emceed uh, the awards presentation. And it kind of went from there. And then when Seattle was getting the Memorial Cup, the Thunderbirds came calling and said, hey, would you come to Seattle? I went to Seattle. Uh, we had the Memorial Cup. Peter Anholt left after that. They offered me the general manager's job. I took it. I uh, did that for a couple of years. Uh, long story as to what happened there. I got an opportunity to go to Tri-Cities. Uh, went there for one year. I uh, got fired despite the fact we had a very, very good year. Uh, long story. You'll have to wait for the book on that one. <laughs> and uh, which there won't be a book. And then it was then that I got the call from uh, Edmonton uh, from a friend of mine that uh, said, uh, would you get back into broadcasting? And I said, I'm unemployed. I get back into anything. And they said, the Oilers are looking for somebody. This was Colin Bauer and his parents uh, who uh, Colin lived with Bev and I in Saskatoon when he played for the Blades. Yeah. And so that's where the whole Edmonton thing started. Uh, And that was my first NHL full-time gig. CFRN lost the rights. After a couple of years, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I got a call from Molestar in Toronto and said, would you come and do Toronto radio? I went there for 14 years, 13 seasons. We missed one with the lockout. And then uh, summer of 2011, I got a call from TSN, said, if we get the Winnipeg Jets rights, would you move to Winnipeg? And I said, in a heartbeat. So uh, there's the short version of, uh, of my career. And I've loved absolutely every minute of it. Uh, being part of the Western Hockey League will always be near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's a terrific league. Uh, the, the knowing that if something isn't going good, uh, it's kind of up to you to fix it. If it is going good, you know you've been part of a team that, that has uh, put something good together here. 
and the adrenaline rushes of day to day and, and everything else that goes along with it. Uh, that was very special. Well, we go back a long way to the Western Hockey League, and somebody was asking me what kind of memories. And the Mickey Mouse days. Yes, the Mickey Mouse days. Uh, that one isn't on me. That was on Kevin Gallant. Oh, that's uh, right. Yes, I, yes, I'm, yes, the, yes, I'm the guy who ordered the pizza halfway through that's the game. Right. Yes, I remember that. That you were not a big fan of. Uh, you, you even told me the following yeah. night in Saskatoon, Roger Millions <laughs> even. Uh, Roger had warned me that you were coming after me that night. But the 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 funny one for me though is is and it's funny how the toughest things stand out and that was the arrival of the saskatoon team bus into moose jaw the day of the swift current bronco crash and i basically held the bus up and you daryl and roger million stepped off the bus and i had to tell you what happened probably one of the toughest things i've ever had to do and uh, I, i still can't believe we played dennis that was such a tough tough emotional day it was and 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 i remember you being there and the minute I saw you there, I you immediately think, okay, something's up here. But we thought, okay, there's something wrong with the building. Something's wrong with the team. The game's not going to happen. And uh, not for for one second did did we ever think that uh, that it was going to be that. And and uh, and I remember that because uh, you know Bev was working in the media at that time. And a news bulletin came on and said a Western Hockey League uh, bus has been in an accident. Yeah. And she knew we were on our way to Moose Jaw. Yeah. And so for a couple of seconds there, all sorts of things are going through her head. And then, of course, just the tragic, tragic events of, uh, of what happened there. And that was before this, this device yeah. here that would yeah. have told you well before I had to do it. Yeah. Well, we had, Bryn, I've told this before, um, the Kamloops Blazers had traded Peter Soberlack uh, out uh, east, and uh, Peter's father, and Peter, of course, was a draft pick of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Peter's father, John, was a lawyer in Kamloops, and without the cell, he was calling the Kamloops, uh, us at the Kamloops Daily News virtually. Yeah, I don't know, every 20 minutes, every half hour to see if we had an update. That was agonizing for him because when your your son's on a bus and you're not getting ready information, like everything now is so minute by minute. Back then, it was a totally different time and a scary time, wasn't it? Well, but you know what was it was for a lot of those reasons, what you guys just talked about. But in a, in a positive way, uh, and maybe that's why I got to like the bus as much as I did, I enjoyed the bus travel because when you got on that bus, nobody could bother you for the next how many ever hours you were going to be on that bus. Yeah. You know, if, if it was a moose jaw from Saskatoon, it was 2.15. If it was Regina, it was two and a half. Uh, then, you know, even later when I got into Seattle and Tri-Cities, I mean, they were just starting to, I mean, the first cell phone we had in Seattle was like a brick. And, uh, you know, so they weren't, everybody didn't have one, but so there was peace and quiet on the bus. You could get caught up on some things. You could do some reading. I always nap very good on the bus, uh, and that, but, uh, times, uh, times have changed. Uh, no doubt about that. Wanted to ask you too, uh, you, you, you touched on it. The, the charm of, I guess, as you get older, it changes, um, but I remember being thrilled getting on the bus. Um, you know, guy you'd know well, you know, Kelly Moore was doing the play by play 
for the the Blazers then. You know, Hitch was up front. And the newspaper guys, we didn't travel every road trip, but we would go and, and then playoffs come, we would go. There's a certain charm there to, uh, at least when you're a young reporter or a young broadcaster, uh, the guys pulling out the foamies and people laying across the seats. And uh, uh, you did that for a long time. Talk about the charm of that part of it, the travel, the camaraderie, and you're, you're insulated as a little group on that bus. Well, I'll start off with Kelly Moore. And obviously he's in Winnipeg now, so we reconnected and we had many great chats at the rink watching a practice or a morning skate uh, about the days in the Western Hockey League. And yeah. I would go back to Flin Flon, uh, keeping in mind where Flin Flon is and where Victoria is. <laughs> and we would have road trips that would go for like 24, 25 days. I remember uh, in, in one of my first years in Flin Flon, we were gone basically the entire month of November. And we played everybody along the way. I, I, I think it was like 17 games in 24 days. Wow. Or something to that effect. So you had to get used to the bus or else it was the job just was going to be no fun whatsoever. And I remember the days in Saskatoon and, and we used to laugh about this. I had this green blanket and, and it was just a green blanket. That's all it was. But it was like it was soundproof. And the guys would be playing cards and the guys would be laughing and joking, uh, you know, uh, on the way back to Saskatoon after a big win someplace. And I would just put this green blanket over my head and it was like it was soundproof. And I would have, I remember the days when, when we would, were in Saskatoon, we'd come back from Brandon after a game and we'd get back to Saskatoon like at 5.36 in the morning. And I was actually upset that we were home because I was sleeping so good. Uh, on the bus and, and uh, you just get used to it. You, you cross feet with whoever's across uh, the aisle from you and, and you learn to coexist. And, uh, but those so many good stories uh, from the bus and you guys know them and, and that those are the days that, uh, you know, that made all of this fun, especially we all started in this business as young guys. And uh, you know, it was, a, we love the game of hockey or else we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. I couldn't stay awake on the bus. I don't know why. Like, I would be out like a light the moment the bus pulled out until it pulled into the arena. I, I don't know why yeah. it, it was like that, Dennis, but it, there was a comfort factor on that bus. It, we can talk all we want about the games, but that was just your zone. That was your happy zone with the players. Yeah. Every, and you're right. Everybody kind of just got along. It was, to me, that's the most memorable part for me of the Western Hockey League. We can talk about individual yeah. games and things like that, but the bus trips, Wow. And you know what, you mentioned this a little while ago. It's, it's amazing that there wasn't, uh, and thankfully, yes. that there were more, uh, you know, bus accidents that, that the Swifter and Broncos had to go through and, and that. Uh, I mean, we all heard stories of the bus running off the road in a snowstorm or, or trying to dodge an animal or, or whatever the case was. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's a credit to the bus drivers and the organizations uh, to put as many miles on as we have. And you felt, you know what? I just always felt comfortable on the bus. I never once worried about uh, anything. I felt very safe, felt very comfortable, and and uh, we've all put a lot of miles on the on the bus. So you so you get to the bigs. Do you have another question there, Robin, on the on the dub or anything before we get to the NHL stuff? Well, no, not really. I, I just look just looking at the places where where Dennis was. Flin Flon is a specific. Uh, 
you know, market. Uh, but the other ones are, are fairly substantial cities. You know, there's this prairie charm about uh, major junior hockey where it's the big game in town. But that's not really true with Dennis when you're in Seattle. That's a major league city. Tri-Cities is just getting started. I remember because it was the, it was our beloved New Westminster Bruins who left. Uh, Stu Barnes was on the New Westminster team that went down to Tri-Cities right away. Um, but I would ask this. Did you have a favorite stop in that group, uh, Dennis? Because they were distinctly different markets, really. Yeah, Saskatoon, I think, will always be special to me. Um you know, the Memorial Cup, I got married in Saskatoon. Uh, I had so many good friends there. I played ball in Saskatoon. I played old-timer rec hockey in Saskatoon. It was just such a, such a great city. And, and as I mentioned before, the Memorial Cup in 89 was really the, the springboard. All the NHL teams at that time still came to the Memorial Cup uh, in, en masse. You know, they'd have uh, eight, ten scouts there, so... You really did get to know everybody. Um, and then you go to Seattle and yeah, go ahead, Robin. No, no. I just, you just reminded me with the talk about Sask place. I remember going to cover the world junior championship there. The building cold. would have only been very two cold. Or three. Yes. Very oh, cold. Oh, it was brutal cold. I remember Frank Orr would get on that media bus, and Frank wasn't a young man then, and he he looked terrible. But I remember thinking, and, and this was up at for grabs for a while. You know this, Dennis. I'm thinking this is a hell of a building. Now, by today's standards, no. But by the standards of buildings then, it was pretty good. And there was the thought, could Saskatoon get a team? And I always thought that would be terrific. I don't know if it, if it uh, would ever work. Did you ever get caught up in that thought, Dennis, that maybe Saskatoon under the old NHL could be an NHL market? Well, when we opened that building, it was interesting. We had we added seats. Uh, I think we had 11,400 and some uh, for our opening game. And uh, remember we had, I looked at the NHL stats the next morning and I think we had outdrawn like four or five NHL teams. Yeah. Uh, so certainly the thought process was there. And Bill Hunter, who your market knows very, very well. In fact, entire Western Canada knows Bill Hunter. Uh, worked so hard to try and get an NHL team there. To be honest, we never, I was with the Blades at that time. And we never got caught up in the hype because we just didn't see it happening. And uh, not that the fan support wasn't there, but we had a pretty good idea of what NHL budgets were, uh, what it cost to run an NHL team. Yeah, We knew the business uh, people in Saskatoon, and I just couldn't see there being enough business support. I think the fan support would have been there initially, because I do believe people would have traveled from, from Bigger and from Kindersley and from... Uh, Allen and from Rosetown and all those other places, Prince Albert to come and watch NHL teams initially. Eventually, I think that would have worn off a little bit, but I just don't think that there was the dollars from the business side of it uh, to make a, an NHL team operate uh, in Saskatoon. And, and uh, we never really did get caught up on the hype. Uh, it just was, there was too many, too many outlying effects that I'm not sure we're ever going to get we're ever going to get solved. And, and I think eventually that's really did what happened there is 
The NHL at the meeting said, uh, this team loses $5 million in year one. Who's picking up the tab? Where's the tab coming from? Yeah. And I'm not sure there was a, an honest answer for that question. And as, as a result, it just kind of went by the wayside. But uh, it was exciting. I mean, it, it had to be. The fact that, uh, you know, maybe an NHL team was going to end up in Saskatchewan, but realistically, uh, it was a long shot. You know, you, you, I'm going to take a little side street here for a second because you brought up the name. One of the highlights for me when I worked with the Edmonton Oilers was that my office was right next door to Bill Hunter's office. When Bill was coming in and just doing some stuff with the hockey club to kind of keep busy. And if it was getting a little tiresome or I needed a bit of a break, I would just knock on the door next door and he would come on in. And he would tell about nine or 10, maybe 12 stories in the span of about 20, 20 minutes. And I, it just would jack me right up to get back to work. But I mean, we want to talk about one of those colorful characters in the world of sports, let alone hockey. Bill Hunter was one of those guys, Dennis. Oh, uh, really was. And you know what? I was, uh, we were moving some stuff around here the other day and I was getting some stuff off the bookshelf and trying to, uh, realizing it needed dusting. And, uh, I came across his book yeah. that, that I've read a couple of times. And, uh, but yeah, just one of those characters, I mean, you go back to the early days in the Western Hockey League, uh, Ernie McLean, Patty Gannell, Ben Hatskin, Scotty Monroe, Bill Hunter, uh, I mean, they were they were classic, just such legendary people and such storytellers. And Bill was as good as anybody at telling those stories. But, uh, you know, guys that uh, just they love the game of hockey. Uh, I remember as a young as a young lad going when I first got into the league, going to some of the league meetings. And you were just in awe of these people. Watch them go back and forth over this and back and forth over that and um just uh you know and that hey what the western hockey league is today uh a lot is owed to those people well and with all due respect to all of those guys though and i still remember the western hockey league was holding its all-star game in regina and uh punch got up there ernie mclean got up there to tell the story about how he lost his eye and i remember turning to ed chanouth who was standing next to me and ed looked at me and said I can hardly wait to hear how this story evolves this time because there was always a new twist or something a little <laughs> bit different on it. But was the, that was the charm of being around those guys is that they had great stories and they always were a little bit different the second time or the third time or the fourth time or the tenth time you heard it. Yeah, at that at that All Star Game in Regina, we were in the in the hospitality room in the afternoon. Yes, and Ernie got telling the story, and you could have heard a pin drop for probably 45 minutes to an hour as Ernie told this story about the plane crash and, and uh, thinking that he was never going to make it out alive and, and uh, waking up one morning and seeing uh, the smoke from a chimney. Uh, and he knew that he was, he was near somebody and uh, made his way and, and, uh, and, and yeah, but uh uh, again, one of those stories that uh, that those guys can tell, and and uh, they had to spell them. Well, you know, it's funny with McLean. I mean, Punch McLean was at GM place telling the same stories. Uh, you know, in the in the Canucks new rink, as yeah. he'd been telling at times that they had a tiny little scouting room of about as big as a closet in Queens Park Arena. 
And you'd have guys like Dennis, you'd remember these guys, like Babe Pratt of the Vancouver Canucks and all the scouts in there shooting the breeze and the stories you'd tell. And I've got like a student press pass to go to these games. I'm thinking, holy smokes, these guys are awesome. I see these guys on TV after the Canucks got got into the league. That was a lot of, there were a lot of characters in the game over the years. Hunter's one of them for sure in Edmonton, but they every town had some of them, didn't they? Well, they did. And whether it was the fans, whether it was the, you know, somebody that was involved with the team, uh, you know, that, that was the heartbeat of those towns. And uh, everybody knew when the game was, everybody knew what the schedule was. And, and uh, you know, little by little, some of that started to fade away. But uh, yeah. those are the people that that made the Western Hockey League what it is today. I mean, the Ed Chenelts, when, when he took over, I always said about Ed Chenelts, he had this unbelievable ability. And I think Gary Bettman probably has this too. Ed Chenelts had the owners in the Western Hockey League convinced that they worked for him. <laughs> that's and, true. Uh, and that maybe is the best compliment you could give to anybody in that position. And uh, But again, took the Western Hockey League from what it was back then uh, to what it is today where franchises are selling for $9, $10, 11000000 million. Hey, before we start talking about the NHL and your time in the league, I, I, I was approached by somebody last week after your announcement and they said, how would you sum up Dennis? I went, well, we could talk about talented. We could talk about the, the fact that you're a great play-by-play guy, that you did a great job behind the scenes at the general manager level and at every level. But the one word that keeps coming out to me is the word connected. You are so connected to everybody in hockey. And if, if you didn't have an answer to anything, you could pick up the phone, and I've seen you do it. You could pick up the phone, call somebody, and have an answer in about 30 seconds is connected a good word and i hope you'll take that as the ultimate compliment coming from me well thank you yes uh and and i've stayed connected with with a lot of people um because i think that's important uh i've seen people who have moved on into retirement and all of a sudden find themselves very lonely yeah and i want to make sure that that doesn't happen uh to me Uh, I, i don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't be able to touch base, especially in today's world where it's so easy to touch base with somebody. Uh, I mean, five years ago, if you just said we'd be doing this uh, with cameras versus over the telephone yeah. and believed it. And that's what it is. So it is much easier to, to kind of stay in touch with people. Uh, I believe it was in Edmonton and you might've been there at the draft when the, I think it was spec came up with the King of Kensington uh, might've been Morty Scott too, because every we turned a corner, we ran into somebody else that yeah. I knew and we'd stop and have this brief conversation. And, and that's kind of where, where some of that got going. But uh, uh, you know what? We we meet so many good people along the way. And when all is said and done, what we do is fun and pays the bills and, and we enjoy it immensely, but it's the people that we meet along the way that, that we can never forget. And uh, you know, I mean, Talking to you guys now, I mean, brings me all the way back to, in Brin's case, all the way back to the days of Saskatoon and Moose Jaw and Robin, your case, all the way back to my days in Edmonton when I when I got into the National Hockey League. So, uh, you know, I, I follow on Twitter. I don't tweet. I follow you guys. I follow lots of people, and it's nice to reconnect. Okay, let's get into the NHL stuff. So you spend your time in the markets that you went into. Uh, 
let's go to the Edmonton uh, time. What do you remember the most about that? Well, I guess uh, getting the job first. Okay. Uh, you know, that would, uh, you know, I bothered poor Fred Philthot till uh, I thought he was going to get mad at me and never speak to me again. Uh, but I had been let go in Tri-Cities. So I, I was going to the draft anyway, because we had a number of guys, Damon Lankow went, Terry Ryan went, uh, Brian Boucher went. Uh, so I was going to the draft anyway. And that's where the whole thing kind of started about, uh, about Edmonton and, and the Oilers looking for somebody to come in and do some play-by-play. And I got a hold of Stu McDonald, uh, who I knew from the Regina days uh, when he was with the Pats. And he directed me on to Fred Philthot, and that's where that whole thing got started. And uh, I kicked the crap out of the audition when they flew me in for it. I didn't think I'd ever get the job, but I did. Uh, one of the early games, I remember calling Sergei Krivokrasov, Sergei Kravokrasov. <laughs> uh, I remember that very well. Uh, but just, you were in the National Hockey League, and the Oilers treated us very well. CFRN treated me very, very well. And that's as a kid, you dreamt about playing, doing play-by-play in the NHL. And, uh, and for a farm kid from Manitoba, it had happened and uh, come full circle, whatever you want. And, uh, and I was in the NHL and uh, just, we had a good group there. Everybody got along so well, Maddie and Speck and you guys. And, and uh, you know, we all realized we had a job to do and it was different then. I mean, we could walk into the dressing room before practice and talk to players if we wanted to. And, and that doesn't happen now because there's just too many people around. But uh, I don't think you ever forget, you know, whether it be your first job, uh, your first job in the NHL. And, and uh, you know, certainly a, a special time for me. And I really enjoyed uh, the two years that uh, that I was there. So lots of good players go through, Doug Wait, Jason Arnott. And, uh, you know, and again, I'd spent so many years in junior. And that's what I said when got lucky enough to introduce the Jets roster here the other day is when you're around the Western hockey league, you see young guys come in and, and become men. And that's kind of what it is in the NHL. I saw all those young guys come in and then just to see how they developed into, into the people and the players that they became was, uh, you know, was something that you admired and, and uh, certainly kept track of. And from a media guy point of view, Dennis, it was a different time. The, I mean, I got here in time for the 90 Stanley Cup win. I got came in 89. Um, but the dynasty days were essentially over, and a lot, most of the, the biggest names were gone or were on the way out because the, the team was being sold off uh, piece by piece at that point. Um, a different time, but it was a fun time because you mentioned a guy like Doug Waite. Um, I came into that room thinking, well, all the Gretzky's gone. Uh, so and some Messier was still there, but a different team in a different era in Edmonton, wasn't it? It was. And, and I got there for the post Messier days as well. Uh, in fact, I was at CFRN and we got a call from somebody in Vancouver and wanted me to pay for a tip. And I said, Hey, I, I have no authority to, to pay for, for a tip, whatever. And the guy finally says, well, I'll tell you anyway, uh, Mark Messier just got off a plane in Vancouver and he is signing with the Vancouver Canucks. And so now I'm like maybe two hours before uh, we go on the air. So I'm debating, okay, do I believe this guy? Do I not believe this guy? And so I, I called Glenn Saylor 
And Sather said, give me a couple minutes, called me back and said, yep, it's, it's happening. So we went on at six o'clock and said, Mark Messier signing with, with the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, you know what? There were still lots of characters there. I mean, Kelly Bookberger, salt yep. of the earth. And yep. guys that we mentioned, Ryan Smith was, was a pleasure to watch. We want to talk about the post Glenn Anderson era, but guys going to the net and Andy Glenn was there for a little while. Uh, when I was there. So, uh, and again, uh, Ron Lowe, just such a terrific individual. And, and Curtis Joseph came from Toronto and, yeah. uh, you know, all those little things that, uh, you know, that you knew and or, or went the other way, went to Toronto from Edmonton, but, uh, you know, all those little things that you remember and, and everything else along the way. And, and, but it's again, again, it's the people that, uh, you know, Kevin Lowe and, uh, you know, that whole group, but there were, you know, we started, we were traveling commercial initially. This is before the charter days. So you spent a lot of time in airports, yeah. uh, the Salt Lake City for a lot of them. So uh, you spent a lot of time in airports and you spent a lot more time around the players than you do now. Evolution, uh, transition, you, you go and you're doing radio play-by-play, then you go to television, you go back to radio, go back to television. Tell me which you prefer. I, and I'll, I'll, let me just set this up. I remember hearing Bob Costas talk about where his true love was. And he said it was in radio. And the reason why he said he preferred radio over television was that he was asked to paint the entire canvas. Whereas in television, he just needed to put a really good solid caption with the pictures. What about you? I love radio. And uh, I wish, and I say this in all sincerity, understanding the way the industry is now. Uh, I wish radio paid better. Uh, I wish radio, and it's it's beginning in the television now too, I wish there was a little more loyalty, uh, uh, but that's not the way business is these days. And, and it's certainly gone from radio into television as well. But I do love radio. I grew up listening to hockey on radio and uh, for the very same reasons that, that you just mentioned there. Uh, you are 100% in charge of a radio broadcast. Uh, television, you've got replays, you've got producers in your ear, you've got an analyst with you that, uh, that needs to get some replays in and tell you why things happened. Uh, radio was totally different. And, and I love radio to death, uh, but uh, television paid better. Yeah. And, uh, but once you get into television, too, you understand it's a different market and your job is a little bit different. And uh, I mean, I certainly enjoyed every second of, of you have to be, you know, maybe a little bit more careful with uh, identification of players and that because people can see what you're seeing. But still, that's that's a minor, a minor thing. Uh, it's still play by play. And, and you're still, you know, you're still painting a picture. You're maybe describing the picture a little bit more than painting it, but uh, you, you, it's still being, you know, part of what what people want to hear and pe- what people want to see. Dennis, I can honestly say, and we haven't asked this question yet. Um, I love your call of games. I on, I honestly do. Uh, I used to partially because of where I grew up. I used to love Jim Robson's call uh, of the Vancouver Canucks. And you know, you know what now Jack Michaels here in Edmonton, having to follow in the shoes of, of Rod Phillips, he's got his own style and his own audience. Now as a young man listening, or even once you got into the business, um, was there anybody that influenced you that you thought, man, this guy's really good. 
I don't know if I followed, uh, tried to, to copy anybody, I don't think. Uh, I kind of created my own. And obviously, you know, I grew up with Foster Hewitt. I grew up with Gallivan, Bill Hewitt, not Foster as much, but who's near the end of, of his a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, Bob Cole, who I still think uh, in, in his heyday uh, was the best there ever was uh, as far as calling a hockey game. Uh, but certainly Danny Gallivan brought this excitement. I think the thing you learned from those, those people was follow the play up the ice. Like the, the Danny Gallivans, uh, the Dan Kellys, uh, and, and there's, there's other, the Bob Coles. As the play goes up, their level goes up as the play is coming across the blue line, across the red line, across the offensive blue line. And now you build it up. There's a good chance something is going to happen here. But uh, I, I really think, I mean, those were, those were the guys that were in the back of my head. So maybe I did copy them more than, than I know. Uh, but a lot of what I did was calling ball hockey games with my brother and I. Uh, and we play, play ball hockey for hours on the farm. And I was the goaltender and the play-by-play guy. I should yeah. have stayed, and he would have paid more. But, uh, <laughs> but that's that's kind of where it all got going. And uh, but I, I I think all those guys are in your head uh, because that's what you grew up with. I mean, when you when you whether it's a Danny Gallivan, you know, when a uh, cannonading shot that mesmerized the goaltender and scintillating, and, yeah, scintillating. I remember I remember Dan, one of Danny Gallivan's stories was. He got a letter from a professor that said, dear Mr. Gallivan, there's no such word as cannonading. He sent back, dear professor, whatever the guy's name was, there is now. Thanks yeah. for watching, listening. <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and that. So everybody has their own style. I think we develop a style. I've, over the years, You and I've never planned to say bang, bang, uh, or some of the other little sayings that I have. Johnny Cash walk, you know, he walks the line like Johnny Cash or uh, round puck, round post, hit it square. Uh, you know, you don't plan those. That's they just, just you. They just happen. Because I've got a bunch of other ones that I always keep saying, geez, I've got to get this in. i got to get this in. But you never get them in because the timing isn't right. So you don't force them in. You have to wait for the timing to be right. And out they come. It's funny. I hadn't seen you for a bunch of years. And then I saw you two years ago at the World Juniors. But I didn't see you close. You were in Trinich in the Czech Republic. And I was in the crowd on the other side. And we were texting back and forth. And I yes. was laughing. You and Craig Button were in the press box, and that's as close as we we'd gone all this way from Canada to the Czech Republic, and that was as close as I could get to you. And it's and then I hadn't seen or talked to you for a while. It's just it's amazing how you get this bond, and you can go a couple of years, and a lot can happen in a couple of years. Trust me. And but yet yes. when you make a phone call, it's just like it was yesterday, right? It is, and that's back to where we talked about a few minutes ago about staying connected with people. And uh, we create friendships uh, that we need to hold on to. We, we, what I, I'm a firm believer in that. And you've gone through some very tough times, Brent. And and when I, when we when I saw you right now, it just brought a smile on my face because I know what you've gone through. And, and to see you now back doing what you love to do, uh, words can't really describe that. Just a hundred pounds less. Which is actually well, a great thing. Yeah, well, I know. That's a tough way to do it. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. But, th- yeah. you know, the one thing that I'm very excited about is I'm going to have a chance to get on the golf course for the first time in three and a half, four years. You love golf. How are you going to spend this uh, alleged retirement here when you're not 
at the World <laughs> Hockey Championship overseas. Well, you know what's interesting is, is somebody said to me this morning, has it sunk in yet? And I said, no, because nothing's changed. The season came to an end. I'm getting ready for World Championship, just as I have for the last number of years. We leave for Finland tomorrow morning. Uh, I'll come back from there. It'll be summertime. And I'll do the World Junior in Edmonton in August. Right. And come September is when it'll kind of hit home that, that I'm not heading to training camp. And in the meantime, I mean, we're going to, you know, probably sell our place here in Winnipeg and and those sorts of things. But uh but yeah, nothing really has changed uh, from that standpoint. Uh, you know, you kind of trudge along, but it'll it'll kind of come to be in September when uh, when training camp is getting going, and I'm sitting at home golfing. But I do love the game. I love to fish. There's a bunch of us that, for the last couple of years, uh, Daryl Lubinicki being one of them, uh, name you guys will know. Uh, you know, we used to go up to Northern Saskatchewan fishing. Dave Sharche, who played for the Saskatoon Blades, him and some people have a a place up at Clam Lake. And two years ago, we couldn't go because of COVID. Uh, last year, we didn't go uh, because the day before we were supposed to go, there was a fire up at LaRange. The highway was closed. We couldn't get up there, so we had to cancel it. So it's been uh, it's it's been two summers without a fishing trip. But Barry Thompson, who spent many years with Molson's in Saskatoon and Saskatchewan, is part of that as well. And uh, looking forward to that. We're going to do that, hopefully, this summer, we're all getting older. We don't know how many more fishing trips we have, but I do love golf. Uh, Bev golfs, and I think that's that's been great for both of us because it's something that we can do together. Uh, she doesn't golf as much as I do and, uh, and that, but uh, I, I've always said a good group of people on a good golf course on a nice day is so rewarding and refreshing for the soul that uh, I hope I can keep playing for a number of years. There's... There's really no such thing as a bad day on the golf course. I'm no. <laughs> come on. It's now true. you can go a lot of places, Dennis, um, where the golf season is, is longer than where you are now. So do you keep a home base and maybe strike out with a summer place somewhere? Or do you, do you move? What do you foresee down the road? Because if you want to golf, there's lots of nice places to go. Well, we have a place in Kelowna, so that's kind of going to become home base. We've had a place since 1998 uh, where we spend the summers. Uh, so we'll be spending a little bit more time there. Uh, do have a place in Arizona that we've never, ever stayed in. Uh, it's been there since we purchased it back in 2008. Uh, so we're trying to figure out uh, what we want to do with that. The I won't get political here, but the U.S. political climate... Uh, is, is something that, uh, that I maybe put too much stock in. Right. Uh, but yeah, that, that's part of it too. We do look to spend, uh, I talked about the long cold winter here in Winnipeg and for the last number of years when Bev and I were both working, we both worked hard, uh, so that our plan was that we wouldn't have to spend winter in minus 40. And, uh, before we, before I get too old for us to, to do that, uh, that was, kind of part of the decision as well that uh take that next step and do some of the things that you've been looking at doing for the last number of years well you might you're already set up then um have you had some tea times uh out of, cam cole is retired there he's a guy you'd know There's well one. from edmonton and toronto and he's he he's got his home course there have you had a round with him i haven't uh because i don't 
Sometimes I don't spend as much time in Kelowna in the summertime as I would like. But I know he's up, but I'm trying to remember what course he's up at. Because uh, I know where he is. Yep. And certainly I'm hoping that uh, uh, with spending a little bit more time, Jim Houston spends some time up there. There's there's a number of people that that come up to Kelowna for the summertime. And, uh, you know, hopefully now that we're there a little bit longer, I do want to connect with those people because, uh, number one, I'll be looking for golf games. And uh, number two, to tell some old war stories. Uh, oh, yeah. As part of that from my days in Edmonton. Hey, thanks for your time today. This has been exceptional uh, as we uh, it's not going to come as a surprise to any of us uh, it, it, this was a blast and uh, we'll have plenty to talk about and we'll continue to track you down and talk a lot about hockey are you enjoying the playoffs so far by the way yeah i am you know what i've been uh, the tv's been on and i've been doing some world championship stuff at the same time trying to find rosters and yeah which are later this year because teams are having trouble getting guys to go and and all that but uh so usually i've got two computers going and a television going so i there's times where I've got three games going, but uh, as expected and, and as we've come to learn, the first round is so exciting. You never know what's going to happen. And just when you think that uh, one team has control of a series, uh, it changes. I mean, certainly watching the Edmonton uh, LA series for a number of reasons, my time in Edmonton, uh, my relationship with Ken Holland, but also my relationship with Todd McClellan, who played for yeah. us. Uh, when I was in Saskatoon and I kept in touch with both of those guys and, uh, and that, so uh, back to the Toronto days, you keep an eye on that series as well. So, but it's uh, the first round of the NHL playoffs never disappoints. Dennis, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Guys. Thank you very much. Great catching up. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to uh, the old story. You asked me what time it is. And I'm going to tell you how to make a watch. So I know yeah. I ran, <laughs> but uh, but thank you very much for the opportunity. Really good seeing you guys. Take care of yourself. So here we are. It's the spring. And hey, look who's in the studio. Brent McIntosh from the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. How you doing? I'm well. How are you, Brent? Great. It's nice to have you in here. The spring is here. And things are getting busy? Spring has sprung and the market is on fire, Bryn. Absolutely incredible. For single-family houses anyway in R- Edmonton. Really? And it's just kind of flipped the switch, huh? I've never seen an increase in values this much in the last 30 days. Absolutely incredible. Edmonton's uh, growth for the single family market. And and I, I can't put a pinpoint on why, but it's pretty awesome if you own a house in Edmonton. Now with the economy the way it is, and it's just kind of crazy right now with everything that's going on in the world, how is that affecting us? That's a great question. Um, do you want some time to think about I it? I do. Yeah, I, I don't know if... if you know, it's not like Edmonton's completely insulated from everything, but yeah, you know, when we when if we're talking about the Russian war, for example, and, and the yeah. price of oil, that's nothing but a good thing for all of Alberta. So that's going to drive the unfortunate prices. positive of that's a right. horrible negative. It, of of course, uh, every time you pay more at the gas pump, it's it's brutal as a family, but pretty good for the economy. Yeah. So how do people get, I know, how do people get involved? If they're thinking about it, now's the time to move, right? Well, definitely. If you're thinking about selling, I can't think of a better time to give us a call. We're at 780-464-0075. And either myself or one of my team members would be happy to meet with you to talk about the sale of your property. What about getting an evaluation done on their house if they're looking at selling? Yeah, that's where we'll start. Completely complimentary. 
no obligation. And we'll come, we'll sit down, we'll talk about the value, we'll show what's going on in the market. And we'll uh, even give you the seller some tips on how to get the most out of their house. Perfect. So once again, how do people get a hold of you? 780-464-0075 or on the web, macintoshgroup.ca. And here you are in the sports thing. It's yeah. nice to have you here. Well, I, I, I love watching you guys do the sports show. Excellent. Thanks. So there you go. Enjoyed that today. Dennis Bayak catching up with us as he uh, steps away from full-time NHL play-by-play. But yes, on his way to Helsinki for the World Hockey Championship, he'll be uh, doing the secondary games for TSN. So he hasn't dropped it completely, but I'm glad to hear that he's got his golf game tuned up and ready to go by the time he hits Kelowna. I'm just happy he didn't stay too long. 70. He looks great <laughs> for 70. Yes. So, uh, hey, let's uh, let's touch on a couple of quick things. Let's talk about the two Alberta teams in the first round of the playoffs. And I don't know when people are going to download this podcast, but let's just talk generally. The Calgary Flames struggling with the Dallas Stars and the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings battle back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I picked Edmonton in seven. I don't see that changing, but I'm not surprised. I'm a little surprised maybe at the fact that Dallas is giving Calgary a little more of a struggle, Robin. Yeah, that's that. That's fair, Bull. I haven't, you know, I haven't seen a lot of Dallas, um, but I like Calgary. I, you know, I think I think they're the better team, and I think they win. But you know what? When you look down some of the series that we've got going on now, as of when we're taping this, I mean, look at all the two-two series here, including yeah. the Oilers in L.A. Um, yeah. I, Everybody in this part of the country is looking for that Calgary-Edmonton uh, Battle of Alberta. And that's not a given. Second. Yeah, that there's nothing promised. And again, depending on when you download this, the Oilers have got to take on L.A. square up uh, at 2 uh, on Tuesday. And somebody comes out of that up 3-2. to two. If it's not Edmonton, you're going to see some serious consternation in this town. The Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs are putting on quite a show as well. We got to give that series a full marks because every time I think, oh, this is trouble for Toronto, and they come up and play great. And then I think, oh, this is trouble for Tampa. Then they all of a sudden step up and play great. This first round's been highly entertaining, not just the three series we've mentioned. Yeah. And you know what? Out here, at least, um, and I think probably some of it's because of the Austin Matthews. Uh, Connor McDavid uh, thing, you know, the heart discussion. I think there's a, I don't know how many people are hoping Toronto bites it in the first round against Tampa after all the talk that's gone on, but it's interesting to watch that series because I tell you what, there's going to be some big time consternation in Hogtown if the Maple Leafs can't get out of the first round again. Same could be said for the Edmonton Oilers because the fan base here, it's uh, you got to get into the second round or it's not going to be considered a successful season. And as yep. for the Calgary Flames coming off the season that they had playing Sutter hockey, they're starting to realize that everybody plays Sutter hockey in the playoffs. Yeah. So it's fun. It's fun to watch. Hey, uh, any uh, anything in passing before we disappear here? We're disappearing home. Oh, well, we're disappearing for another week is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? We'll be, we'll have some things decided by the next time we get together, Britt, in terms of, of the, uh, the playoffs. And like you say, 
there's some, you know, if you're talking the Oilers, uh, if they fail to advance, uh, Toronto, if they fail to advance, uh, that's that's significant. Hey, and on a day, let's not forget, it won't be news by the time some people download this, Barry Trotz gets the sack in, in uh, with the Islanders today. Yeah, you know, it's funny, we were just uh, talking about coaches with the longest tenure lately and Barry Trotz's name was the one that first came to my mind on the weekend and at here we get that big announcement today hey uh before we go uh just got to touch on a few things you can get a hold of us via twitter our handle is quite simple it's at outsiders 2020 also make sure to tell your friends to like or subscribe our rss feed on any of your favorite ear candy sites like apple google spotify pocket casts etc and we're also on youtube and as I mentioned earlier, uh, I recorded the Road 55 studio in downtown Edmonton, just a hockey puck's throw away from Roger's place. And Robin is at the Lucky Sam studio in southwest Edmonton. Robin, that's it for today. I think we'll end the show a little differently. Are you ready for it? I'm ready for it. All right. Have a great week. Storm in the castle. Road 55.